We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You're listening to Rampage Radio Podcast. That's how the Rams play football. How do you make that call? I just don't understand that. That's the Rams we know right there. What is he doing? No shot. No shot. Break it down. I mean, I I just feel feel free. Uh, (laughs) I, I feel free. I feel like I can be myself. Um... A fresh start as a team who values who I am, obviously, uh, with what they gave up to give me, and I, I truly respect that. I'm ready to do what I can to help this team win. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. I am ready to go, too. I am ready to see Jalen Ramsey in the horns, baby. Number 20, let's go. I am also ready to see them re-sign him long-term because you don't give up two first-round picks and a fourth round to do that or to not do that. You have to sign the guy long-term. What's good? This is J-Rob with Rampage Radio Podcast. You can follow us at Rampage Radio Pod on Twitter. We are part of the Ramstalk Network. We can follow at Talk Rams. Make sure you check out Budding Heads, Rams Undisputed, and Rams Brothers. Thanks for tuning in on this Friday afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to us. We appreciate that. We love being able to talk Rams football, and we love that you guys take the listen uh, as well. Listen, man, golly, I said last week that I was not worried at all about this Rams team. Well, call me worried now. Call me concerned. Call me what are we going to do, for lack of a better phrase. What are we going to do about the woeful offensive line? Yeah, you, you get Austin Corbett. What's that guy going to provide for you? I don't think he jumps in and starts right away. Not at all. But at least they're making some kind of moves to try to rectify the situation because the offensive front the offensive line rather or the front has been abysmal very 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 bad and you see a lot of people talking about well can Jalen Ramsey play offensive line of course not you idiot why are you freaking bashing on the Rams front office for bringing that guy in who are you to do that who am I to do that has this front office not shown us that they are willing to take gambles if they feel like the time is right this instance is no different why are we bashing them for bringing in the best, arguably the best cornerback in the league? Why are we doing that? And then they get rid of the contract-heavy numbers for Marcus Peters because 
they are going to attempt to try and sign Jalen Ramsey. Those are the obvious indications of that happening. But the point is, they still think they can contend. Even though they've lost three games in a row, the Rams still believe they can contend, and they should think that. With all the guys that they have locked up and all the dudes that are young on the roster, our window is still very, very present. And we've had some bad injuries. Yes, every team has injuries. But the Rams banked that the offensive line, i.e. Noteboom and Allen, and you can even throw in Blythe, would be performing much better than they are right now. And now you lose Noteboom, David Edwards has to pick it up. Pick up the slack, David. Good luck this week. And this week against the Falcons is going to be a week where the Rams are going to need to uh, reestablish themselves as an offensive juggernaut. You go from putting up 29 points, 30 points almost last year averaging to seven against a very good San Francisco 49ers defense. But before we get into the San Francisco game, be sure to check out Jim Hawk and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's a book that he wrote, and his dad was a part of the organization. It's a really good read, and I'm not saying that by experience. I'm simply saying that from guys on uh, Rams Talk Network who have read the book. So be sure you guys go and uh, take a moment to check that out. It is available online as well as hard book or hardback book. Uh, Yeah, that. So anyway, check that out. Man, you send your defense out for the first drive, you defer to get the ball in the second half, and your defense comes up big time and keeps San Francisco to negative four yards on the very first drive, and then you get the ball back and do something with it. But let's stick with the defense first. Let's talk about the defense. What is your opinion of the defense? I don't think it is fair for someone to say this defense is bad and underperforming and they are underwhelming. I think that is absolutely wrong. I think that is a wrong take. You're entitled to that. But I really believe that these this defense has played well. I said this last week that they, they played well against uh, the Seahawks, and I'm not saying any different this week. They played very well against a good San Francisco offensive line who has been playing better and the best rushing attack in the NFL this year, and they held those guys to under 100 yards. Yeah, it was 99. It was 99 yards, but they held them under 100. Tevin Coleman only had 18 carries for 45 yards, an average of 2.5 per carry. Matt Burita had 13 carries for only 36 yards. And this is the same type of performance that they they did earlier against Alvin Kamara and company. They've, they've shown that they can stop the run. They've shown that they can stop the pass. But the problem is, your defense is getting so daggum tired from staying on the field so long because your offense is inept right now. And that starts with your offensive line. Nobody on, on that's a Rams fan or does Rams coverage or does a podcast, no matter who you are, can sit here and say that the offensive line is not causing all the problems. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Does Jared Goff miss, miss a few throws here and there? Yes. But this is not a regression. This is not, I repeat, a regression of Jared Goff. This is a lack of being able to step into throws because he's getting crushed by a opposition Defenders from everywhere. D-tackles, outside pass rushers, blitzing. Everybody's blitzing because when you can blitz an offensive line that don't know how to pick up a blitz or they just get beat, you are going to struggle. That's any quarterback, any quarterback, and that doesn't exclude Jared Goff. This is not a regression. I've seen where a couple of people have said, they believe that this is a regression, and I think that if you listen to this podcast, you know who you are. And I respect your opinion, absolutely, but I disagree that this is a regression for Jared Goff. This is not what we're witnessing right now. What we're witnessing is the fact that your offensive line, who was one of the best units, number seven overall last year, is at the bottom this year right now. And now you have note boom out, and you've got some injuries to deal with. But let me get back on track. So the defense is the reason, or the offense is the reason that the defense was on the field so much against San Francisco. There's no debating that. Look at the overall time of possession. I'm going to break down some of those numbers, you know, half by half and give you that total, and you may be shocked. 
But don't be shocked because the offense was inept because the defense did their job and the offense couldn't do nothing and the defense got tired at the end of the game. Okay, so Troy Reader has really kind of established himself as a short-fire starter now, in my opinion. You have a healthy Bryce Hager who was a scratch due to Reader's ability to be able to perform against Seattle. And he did the same thing with double-digit tackles again this week, although he did get beat by George Kittle on a play-action pass in which he was caught looking into the backfield. There's no excuse for that, but he's done a serviceable job, and I think he's actually done a good job. I would say it's better than serviceable. I'm actually very pleased with what he has been able to do in the middle with Corey Littleton. I don't see how anyone could not be pleased. The guy's filled in nicely, and he's deserved the opportunity that he has received to start for the Rams on defense. And obviously, you have to be pleased with the reigning MVP Aaron Donald in his play up to this point as well. Do the numbers say everything? Absolutely not. Everyone's been preaching that. But the guy, (laughs) you cannot stop the guy. You cannot stop the guy. And you watch against the Falcons this week, that offensive line is almost just as bad as ours, and they're going to have a lot of problems stopping him. And Dante Fowler. I think Dante Fowler is going to have another week where he could have two sacks. You know, so anyway, AD's playing well. Troy Reader played well. And, I, you know, I talked about S- Sebastian Joseph Day last week, and, and I thought that he was doing a good job, and that has not changed. And I, it seems like that the all the talk and chatter on Twitter and uh, RamsOnDemand.com uh, have kind of ceased about bringing that guy off the field and giving Greg Gaines more of an opportunity. And rightfully so. The guy's done a good job. He's he's played his role. He's done a good job. And, and when you put him next to Brockers and Donald, all you want to do is to see a guy that makes some plays here and there and eats up some bodies. And he does that. Uh, and he's getting in the backfield some. No, he's not Aaron Donald. And, and we get spoiled as fans by watching that guy who is a sure Hall of Famer and will arguably be the best defensive tackle to ever play the game, bearing health, knock on wood. But when you have Joseph Day in there, you have to like what you see. At least I, I say you have to. You don't have to. I like what I see from Joseph Day. I like to see how Wade is using him. I like how, how the rotation of Brockers and Joseph Day and even get Greg Gaines is getting a few more snaps now. I like the rotation. I think the defensive line is doing an admirable job, even without Clay Matthews now. I would say it's admirable. Could it be better? Uh, yeah, sure, it could be. But when you've got two daggum def- or offensive linemen containing Aaron Donald, somebody's got to break through, and Joseph Day is not your typical pass rusher. He's not going to get a pass rush up the middle here like AD does. He's just not going to happen so if your expectation is that then you need to check yourself and take your expectation back a level because that's not what he is he is a space eater that guy is supposed to take on blocks and get off blocks at times through one of the gaps depending on what play call is made so in my mind joseph day has done like i said an admirable job and there's not really a place to be you know concerned about his play overall i tell you what I am concerned about, and this is really the only qualm I have with the defense right now as a whole, is the mental lapses. What is happening mentally with some of our players? What are they doing? And I'm not just talking about the defense. I know we're talking about the defense right now, but the offense has been just as bad when it comes to the mental standpoint of playing the game of football. And it's kind of been, it's shocking to me Because being coached by a mind guy in Sean McVay, we haven't really seen our teams make mental mistakes and have mental lapses throughout games very consistently until this year. Even though we won the first three games, this team is not the same as they were last year. Yeah, there's a couple of different pieces in play. I get it. I understand that, but not so much to the point where they change drastically how they do in the mental aspect of playing football. That's, that's, that's what's weird to me right now. And Dante Fowler, love him to death. Very good at what he does. Love him. Some of you guys say he disappears sometimes. Well, that's just stupid. His job is to, is to rush the passer, and you say he's disappearing? Come on, man. The guy's job is to rush the passer and then keep the edge contained on toss plays and sweeps and things like that when they're running the ball. He's doing his job. He's a very good player. Stop it. But the guy made three mental mistakes early in the game. One, which allotted San Francisco 
to score inside the game, 7-7. Seven seven. You have a third and four, third and five situation, the dude jumps off sides. Well, gives them the ball right back. They're in your territory almost already as it is, and they drive down the field and they score, which isn't very far. And we'll talk about that because they definitely won the field position battle. Definitely. And think about this. When you think about the defense as a whole, after one quarter of play, one quarter, the time of possession was 9 minutes and 20 seconds for San Francisco to L.A.'s 5 minutes and 40 seconds. And L.A. gave up us, the Rams, gave up seven first downs to them, and we only had four first downs as an offense. So the reason that the defense started getting tired late in the game was because of what started at the beginning of the game. (laughs) The defense has been good. And I'm going to tell you something. I am not impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo. Not at all. And it was one of those things where you saw him come onto the scene. The media hyped the dude up. Man, this guy's a cover of a magazine. He looks good. He learned under Belichick and Brady. This dude's got all the tools. He's a good quarterback. Yada, 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 yada. Dude gets hurt. And, yeah, I understand what his record is as a starter. I get it. I understand he's like 10-0. and But so what? The dude is a game manager, man. He's a game manager, guys. He's nothing spectacular. I'm taking golf 10 out of 10 times over that guy, obviously. And I'm not being a homer when I say that. I'm not. The guy is not impressive. All he does is throw short throws and intermediate balls, and he does have good feet. I'll give him that. He's got good feet when he's in the pocket, and he seems like he has pretty good pocket awareness. I'll give him that. And he misses throws. Look at the flea flicker play. Should have been a touchdown. Speaking of Dante Fowler, it was him who was on coverage. And the flea flicker threw him off guard. And he threw his receiver short. He throws it in stride. It's an easy six points. No doubt. Easy. But that's not what happened there. But you go and you look at with 13 minutes and 22 seconds in the second quarter. It's second and goal at this point. And the Rams do something that... We've been doing all year on defense, and I hate it. And that's the stupid soft zone coverage that we've been playing. Nope, I'm not bashing Wade Phillips. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm just saying that I hate it, personally. I hate it when we play the soft zone coverage. It's too easy. And on this particular play, a second and goal, and it was a long second and goal, by the way, it's an easy throw and catch, and they end up on the two-yard line. But what happens after that? Jimmy G, getting pressured, can't read the coverage, throws it up in the end zone, and boom, picked by Marcus Peters, 22. And here's Garoppolo with a fade, and it's going to be intercepted by Marcus Peters in the end zone. R.I.P. in peace. Sorry about it. Love you, brother. I said we ain't done yet, homie. Love him. He gone. Dude makes a play, though, and it's because Jimmy G can't do what he does which is play quarterback at an elite level. That's not what he is. But Marcus Peters made a play right there. And Corey Littleton almost had a pick six. He's not playing like he did last year. He was just a stud all over the place. But the guy's still a very good player, and I hope we retain him because he's good at what he does too, unlike Jimmy G. So the defense through the first half, they were playing very well. San Francisco's average third down yardage was 7.4 yards to go on almost every third down play they had at halftime. And the defense, they only allowed 32 rushing yards to 164 passing yards. And the time of possession, again, was in favor of San Francisco for 17 minutes and 6 seconds, although they did give up 13 first downs. Remember this, guys. San Francisco, they're first with 39 rushing attempts per game in the league. First. They're also first with accumulating 200 yards per game in the league. And also, naturally, first with 57% in rush play percentage. So they're going to run the ball, but they sure didn't run it first half, and they really didn't run it the second half either. They got a few more plays, yes, 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 yes. But overall, the defense showed up to play, which they have all season long outside the Tampa Bay outlier debacle game. That's where it was at halftime. 
And going back to Jimmy G, you start the third quarter. Obviously, the Rams give up the ball on the toss play to Henderson, who we'll get to. But old Jimmy misses Tevin Coleman, who is wide open for an easy six points. <laughs> the guy's not good. He's not a good quarterback. And I'll eat crow. I'll be the first to say, all right, guys, I'm so sorry that I said Jimmy was not good. I admit it. He's good now. I will do that just like that, too. Verbatim, voice and all. When that guy turns around and proves that he is a very good quarterback, because he ain't. He's not. But I tell you what, he missed Tevin Colvin, who was wide open. And the Rams held him to a field goal to make it 17-7 at that point. But check this out. By the end of the third quarter, San Francisco had 26 rushes for only 69 yards. I just got done talking about how the Rams stopped the run. By the end of the third quarter, they only had 69 rushing yards and were averaging 2.7 per rush. They had 58 plays, y'all. 58 plays for 300 yards and their time of possession at 29 minutes and 6 seconds. They held on to the ball because the offense for the Rams could not do anything. And Shanahan said, we're not going to give these guys a chance to come back because we know their offense can't do anything because we know we can get in the backfield because the Rams' offensive line is not good right now. So that's what we're going to do is hold on to the ball, and that's what they did. And then when you add the mental lapses like I was talking about earlier and those come into play and you give up a a 5-yard run and then a 2-yard run and then a short dink and dunk pass, then you end up losing. You end up not having a chance to do anything, which is what happened. And if you look at the time of possession, I mean, not the time of possession. I've already freaking talked about that forever. If you look at the second half possessions for San Francisco, here's where they started out. Their very first drive that they had, they started on our, the Rams, 17-yard line and scored a touchdown. Then they started on their own 43-yard line and only had to go approximately 45 yards or a couple more, give or take. I ain't into math. I hate math. And I was in pre-algebra at a sophomore as a junior in high school so I suck at math but whatever that is they started on their own 43 end up getting a field goal out of it that's an automatic three points when you start on your own 43 then they started on their own 42 the next drive and they scored another field goal so answer me this how is it that we should expect our defense to continue to play at a stellar level which they did this entire game they kept us in the game obviously how do we expect them to do that and not wear down when you lose in the time of possession and San Francisco only has to travel half the field and only 10, 15 yards to get in the field goal range in the first place? You can't even flip the field. And then when, you, when Hecker hits a booming punt and you cause him to muff it, then what happens? It's negated by a Michael Thomas illegal shift penalty. Another mental mistake. You heard me talk about the defense. Well, here's one on the special teams. And you know you're going to have flags on punt returns and kick returns half the time anyway, which is why I prefer that the return man just stay in the end zone on kickoffs so you don't have a flag and you start on your own 15-yard line, for crying out loud. Just stay in there. But it's the mental errors there that hurt you. What is not hurting you is the defense. Even the play where Michael Brockers forces the fumble in which Littleton picks it up and flips it back to Nikel Roby Coleman. That was pretty dope, by the way. The defense is not what's hurting you. The defense is playing very well. And it continued again this week against San Francisco, and it should continue this weekend against the Falcons. But the offense is what's hurting you. This is the common theme. There's no debate about that. There's no talking about that and arguing over the fact that the offense is what is hurting you. But we'll get into that in just a few seconds. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. But right before we do that, I want to make sure that you guys check out our sponsor. Check it out. 
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Say, let's go Rams. Let's go Rams. Man, I love having my little boy on this show. I love having him do his little tidbit. Sorry if that hurts your ears a little bit. He's got a little kid voice. I tried to EQ it as best as I could, but I'm working with GarageBand right now because my machine's actually hopefully getting fixed. It kind of started acting up on me. Had all my good plugins on it for audio editing, and man, I tell you, I'm having to work with GarageBand. Anyway... Love having my little boy on there. I'm raising him up right, being a Rams fan. And uh, let's talk more about this Rams team. Let's go Let's go to the offensive side of the ball now that we're back from the break. Um, we talked about the defense. Let's talk about the offense, man. And, and <laughs> Lordy B, there is a lot wrong here, y'all. And I mentioned it earlier, and it's been the kind of what's been going on with the Rams team so far, and that is your offensive line can't block nobody. <laughs> you can't block anybody. And it's coming from up the middle. And now, let's see what David Edwards can do because Joe Noteboom, as he was apparently, according to Coach Cromer, starting to figure it out, quote-unquote, we don't know what David Edwards is going to bring because it ain't Jimmy Odenby. I think my man Steve Rivero posted something on his Twitter feed about he had like a 3.2 rating for all offensive linemen or guards or whatever pro, uh, per pro football focus. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Say that 10 times. Pro, 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 football for, pro football for Can't do it. Anyway, Jamil Dimby's not the answer, so hopefully Edwards can come in and do it. And this is a good week, this upcoming week, against uh, the Falcons to reestablish yourself as an offensive line unit. Hopefully you can do better uh, than what you have done. But listen, the, the first drive, the offensive line before Note Boom went out, you know, we've been able to get back to the zone blocking scheme because San Francisco only has four down linemen. So do what you've been doing the past couple of years that's been successful, and that is the zone blocking scheme. And we didn't even pass the ball. Malcolm Brown looked legit. Daryl Henderson looked legit, even though he fumbled the ball in a bad situation. Still, he dude looked explosive. And they kind of gave you a combination of those two of what Todd Gurley was and hasn't really been. And who knows if he'll ever get back to that. But we didn't throw the ball once on the first drive. And if you think about this, speaking of the offensive line, which is what this segment is going to be a lot about, San Francisco's got the big bad boys up front with Bosa and Armstead, Thomas. I mean, dude, those guys are good. And D Ford, man, they're good, guys. They've got a defense that's built to win a championship. There's no question about it. It's really no question about it. And those guys destroyed us all game long. And it started on the second drive when we had the ball, and it was on second and third down, really. The, it was the same play that we lost Joe Noteboom. Watch that play. You'll see that D Ford rushes from the outside on Havenstein, and Bosa absolutely rushes from the other side, and he absolutely bull rushes Whitworth. They both meet at Jared Goff in the middle. And what does Brian Allen do? Blast somebody into Noteboom's leg, and now he's out for the year. But Whitworth and Havenstein both got bull rushed by Bosa and Ford. And it was, it was honestly, it was perfect on behalf of the San Francisco 49ers. When they put on that film, they see that play, they're going to be like, all right, guys, this is how you do that. Look at these two guys. And they can just put that one in the video locker room for every team to see for the rest of generations to come of how you bull rush into the quarterback, into the quarterback because that's what they did. And that happened a lot this game. And so once we lose Noteboom, what do we need to do now, guys? What can we do to help the offensive line? Well, I can tell you what it ain't. It's not put Tyler Higby one-on-one versus Bosa, fail. Or Higby one-on-one versus D Ford, fail, which is what was happening even after that. That's not what you do. And the first five dropbacks that Goff had, he was pressured five times, he got hit once, and he got sacked once. And that was really the tail of the tape. The entire game was San Francisco in your backfield. Goff can't step and plant and throw. 
in the pocket. He can't step into any throws. He's throwing off his back foot. And then when he has a moment to throw the ball, he has to throw it away or take a sack, even though he didn't get sacked very much, because he, he can't get anything on it. There's not, there's not anything that's hard to comprehend about that. This is not rocket science, y'all. This isn't hard to see that your quarterback, when he can't step into a throw, there's not going to be anything on it. It's not going to be a seed to anybody, and therefore it results in bad bad passes. But the guy still made plays, y'all. He's still a very good quarterback. I don't know how some of you are are are, are really bashing this guy, dude. Like I don't I don't understand that. Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I'm the one that's that's all whack jobbed in my mind. Maybe maybe he really is regressing. Maybe he's not being good. Maybe he's not. Good good anymore no no that is not the case you guys that's so that's such a bad take man to to say that golf has regressed and he's not doing things right it starts up front everything starts up front if you cannot block you will not be able to throw the football stop trying to debate that y'all stop trying to convince everybody that golf is not the answer right now stop it well the numbers say man screw the numbers Look at your offensive line. You cannot do it. He was pressured all day long. And I tell you this, because of the pressures, you call he have to call more screens, which the Rams have been notorious for doing this year, more so than previous years. But I tell you what, against San Francisco, I do not mind the screen game against their defense and that defensive front that we faced this past weekend. But I still will tell you this. The Rams had a third and 21 on their own 48. And San Francisco lined up in a two-deep zone. And if you if you try to push the ball down the field 13, 14 yards, you're in field goal range for Greg Zerline when you're down 14-7. But we throw a screen and we can't do anything. We end up having a punt. That's not a place I want to continue to see a screen game. I know it has worked before. I know we have seen Robert Woods catch a screen and go 20-plus yards to convert a third down, but that that is not a very high percentage play on, on that down. Well, you're at third and 21. You know they're going to play soft. Why not try to get 15 yards and let Greg make a kick? Because you knew your offense wasn't going to do anything all game if the, if the second drive was an indication at all. You know where your offensive line is, so why not be aggressive? And then you get Daryl Henderson involved, makes his grand entrance, and that dude looked good, y'all. He, like I said a second ago, that guy can explode out of his out of his shoes, dude. He makes cuts, he gets downhill, he runs behind his pads. <laughs> but yet, when you run behind the offensive line that the Rams have, you can't do anything. Then you have to start throwing the ball more. And they're not good at pass protecting, guys. They're very bad. I'm not going to continue to say it. I'm going to stop saying how bad the offensive line, y'all. The offensive line was bad and is bad until it gets fixed. Period. No, 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 no. Not a period. Exclamation point. And even with the play of the offensive line, I don't mind that the Rams go for it on fourth and goal on the one. But if you put on the tape... What happens? Allen gets blown up, which he has all season long. There's some guys that are saying, "Oh, I think Allen's getting better. I think I like the. I see at the. I think I see some progression here with Allen. I've heard that from some people, but that's not true. The guy's not getting better. He may be smart. He may be a former wrestler. He may be able to grapple guys to the ground and hold and do all that, which he actually hasn't got flagged a whole lot for those types of things." But what he has gotten flagged for is not being able to snap the ball properly. And what he's never going to get flagged for is getting blown up in the backfield from a D tackle because that's been happening a ton. And on the fourth and one, that's what happens. Dude got blown up, y'all. <laughs> and check this out. The average third down to go for the Rams through the first half was 13.7 yards. 13.7. Penalties, pressures, negative plays. They only had 102 rushing yards. I said only. We ran the ball, and it wasn't really a balance between run-pass, and you can't really do that because of the way your offensive line's playing, but we had 100 run, 102 excuse me, rushing yards in the first half, only to 22 passing yards for 124 total. That was at halftime. Then you get the ball 
again, first play in the third quarter, and you give it right back to him on the fumble. He just took his eyes off the ball. Henderson, that's all he did. He just took his eyes off of it. Well, man, J-Rob, you're saying like that's okay. No, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying that's what happened. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. I say that all the time, too. And then shortly thereafter, what happens? Allen with a penalty with that false snap I was telling you about. We all saw it, the mental aspects of the game. And I understand and I completely agree and can see the positive thinking in drafting guys who are smart players. I love that about this regime. I love it. I love that we we draft guys who are very smart up top and and have a very good high uh, football IQ, for lack of a better phrase. But that was not the case for Allen. And it ha- really hasn't been. The false snap, then the next drive, we get the ball back. Allen gets beat by 94. Solomon Thomas for an eight-yard sack. Didn't even have leverage. No position No position on Thomas. Eight-yard sack. Once again, we're behind the chains. And by the end of the third quarter, we'd only run 30 plays for 112 yards and a time of possession of 15 minutes and 54 seconds. We had negative 12 total yards going into the fourth quarter. There wasn't no there wasn't any offense outside the first drive. And then we get stopped by fourth and one on, by San Francisco again. And you get a turnover. And what happens? Allen holds. Allen's holding people. And there was just constant pressure the entire game from San Francisco's defensive front. And they blitz too. That's something that teams are going to do for the rest of the season against us. Get used to it because of the offensive line and the shambles that it's in. I'm concerned, guys. I'm worried. Not about the defense. The defense is what's going to keep us in it. But I'm concerned, man. I said last week I wasn't. And I was not going into this game. I was like, all right, let's see what we get against San Francisco. They're supposed to be pretty legit now. They're playing us, their first kind of test, I guess. But, man, the the offensive line is such a troubling thing in my mind. And and if you don't fix that, you can't can't max protect every play. You can't do that. The defenses are going to put six guys up front and make you have one-on-one matchups, and we're just not set up to do that. And if defenses are going to do that, then we're going to have to make an adjustment and throw – Continue to throw the screens and more slants, but you're not going to be able to see the down-the-field throws. That's why, why do you think that we don't have any downfield throws hardly this year? Because golf don't have no time. How many times have we seen that guy drop dimes to people? A lot. And that is Sean McVay's offense. Passes over 10 yards. Play action. And the Rams started running the ball the first drive they had, but they couldn't do it afterwards because San Francisco knew what we were going to do. And like, you stop them on the first down running the ball, then we'll just blitz, and they can't throw it because we'll cover them up. Their defense is that good. Remember this too. San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco is second in scoring offense fourth in total offense, and looking at their defense, they're fourth in scoring defense and second in total defense. They're not a joke, you guys. They're not a joke. They're the real deal. And we're going to have to figure out how we can get back in contention. And it starts this week against Atlanta. It starts this week by stopping Muhammad Sanu, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Freeman, Hooper, you got to stop those guys, and I have full confidence in Wade's defense, man. I really, really do. Don't think for a second that Jalen Ramsey ain't going to play. All the narrative things that you got going on in Twitter and ESPN and NFL.com about we don't know if he's going to play. Sean McVay saying, well, that's the goal. No, 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 no. That's not the goal. He's playing. He's not going to come in and sit down. Not This is not necessarily... To some folks, a must-win game. I'm not going to say that it is, and I'm not going to say it's not. I think it is a a season-defining game in which I'm going to. Holla! I live in Atlanta, so I'm going to it thanks to my pops. 
And I hope to see the defense continue the trend of playing well. But, man, if we're going to have a shot at winning, you have to score points. I do believe that defense wins championships. I believe you can run the ball and play defense, which is exactly what San Francisco is doing right now. The Rams need to emulate that. They need to implement more running plays and more quick slants, quick three-step drop plays to get out of getting pressured all the time because your offensive line can't handle the pressure. Got to get it fixed. Have to. Exclamation mark. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I was hopeful, or the Twitter feed, if you check us out at Rampage Radio Pod, I mentioned that my brother, who is actually a co-host of the show, who will hopefully yep. be back on with us pretty soon at a regular, more regular time period, or basis rather, yep. uh, he's here. And we both live in Atlanta. He's been listening to the st- the radio stations like 92.9 The Game here. And he's got a lot of information about the Atlanta Falcons and uh, how the Rams hopefully beat the Atlanta Falcons. But first and foremost, being a Seminoles fan, diehard, what is your take on the addition of Jalen Ramsey for two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick? Go. Glad to be back in the pod, first and foremost. So all the Rams fans... We love you. Uh, let me just say this about Jalen Ramsey right quick. Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the league, all right? And I have loved Jalen Ramsey since he was about a junior in high school when Florida State was recruiting him really hard. He was committed somewhere else. He shows up on campus in Tallahassee and was a straight dude for the next three damn years. Um, I'll say I'll also say this about Jalen Ramsey, dude. I named my dog after Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I did that. Okay, Whitney, my wife would say otherwise, but Jalen Ramsey was the heart and soul of why I named my dog Ramsey. I love this dude. He's a dog. He's an absolute beast. He's gonna be bringing all kind of energy to that Rams defense. I I fucking love the trade. Okay, I don't want to hear about the, the first round picks. Okay, we're going to win now. We're in a tough division. We got teams that we're going to be playing the back end of the schedule. We need help on the corner at the corner position. I love the move. Um, I'm excited to see Wade Phillips have this toy to play with, have yep. him put him on the island, yep. say, hey, I'm going to take your best wide receiver out of the game. We're going to blitz more. We're going to be way more aggressive on the outside. Right. And I think Jalen Ramsey – continues to build upon that cornerback swag that we have in LA. I think that's a a great fit and I'm pumped to see it. Yep. Well, uh, adding Jalen Ramsey, you know, the, the narrative is that, and I just mentioned this earlier is that Sean McVay said the, the goal is to have him play, but you don't bring in a guy like this, with even why w- yeah, why won't you have him play? He's gonna be matched up why? against eleven, Julio Jones, why right? Not? It ain't that hard. Hey, you got eleven. Whatever he does, uh, you also do. Okay, <laughs> I mean, is that is that simple? We've been watching the Falcons the last couple of weeks, and they're throwing the ball to eleven like they've been doing his whole career. They're filling his ass up with targets. You stick Jalen Ramsey on him. Let's see what we got. We just gave up the house to go get him. I mean, are you saying that they might not play his ass on Sunday? That's is, is what, that what I'm saying. That That's what people are saying, and I'm saying that is absolutely false. Don't read into the media narrative there. Uh, I tell you what, man. I, I, I'm, I'm not as plugged in as a lot of those guys, but, I mean, what, what my understanding is that as soon as my boy Jalen Ramsey got the call he was traded, his back all of a sudden felt real limber and loose, and, and he was ready to strap it on and go. I mean, I just don't see a world, if, if he's healthy, that he's not playing because corner is one of the positions that really is, you know, is pretty fluid throughout the league, and he's played enough football to understand contests. But if right. he's going to cover the 11 all day, I mean, I don't understand how he's going to let him play. Yep, uh, and speaking of the Rams' defense, how good is the Falcons' offense? Obviously, we know that their offensive line is very bad, just like the Rams. Um, and so, how does what is the approach in Wade Phillips' eyes? Like, what do you see the the Rams doing against the Falcons' offense to be able to come out of there with a win this this Sunday? Well, I think the biggest tool the Falcons on the offense is is the fact that you know they're always playing from behind. All right, and and that's a shitty place to be. And if you look at the score the last couple of weeks, um, they've gotten to a real throw-happy situation. 
Um, you know, they haven't run the football at all. You mentioned the offensive lines is, is Swiss cheese. All right, shit is weak. They can't block anybody. Freeman had, like, one decent game. Otherwise, he, they, they've stuffed him basically all season. Um, I, I think I think the Rams got to continue that that strategy, right? Keep First of all, hopefully the offense will play well, but keep keep Freeman, keep that running game at bay. As good as Matt Ryan is, is and, and as good as Julio is, you know, they can't pass protect. So I think you got a chance to get home if you get him in third and long, and I think that's a strategy that they're going to try to do on defense. I think – Wade will, will, will keep them kind of off schedule on offense to where they're, they're in third and longs and, and they can maybe get to the quarterback. That's how I see it working out. Uh, I think if, if you're going to play the Falcons, you know, the fact that their defense sucks so bad, you'll probably be in a position to, to be ahead and hopefully, you know, force the, the, the Falcons to be in a throw-in situation very often early in this game. Yeah, and that's something that other defense have been able to do to expose a Falcons offensive line is, is make them one-dimensional and make Matt Ryan beat you, and he's proven that he can't beat you by himself, but as oh, bad yeah. as... I mean, they, yeah, go ahead. They lost They they lost last week. I mean, you know, they lost by one point. They scored 35 points and lost, or 34 points, rather. Um, the, the, the Cardinals got a dub because we missed a field goal. I say we just in the hometown Falcons missed a field goal. Um, but, uh, you know, they can score. So if your offense doesn't have a good day, if, if the Falcons defense, you know, gets a couple of turnovers, gets a couple of breaks, you know, you're not going to be able to hold this offense down. And, um, you know, hopefully you don't get in a shootout because that's not what you, what you want to do. Right, and that and, and what happened? What you, you mentioned holding the offense at bay, the Falcons that is with the Rams defense, and the Rams defense has been very good this year. Uh, and the Forty ers they're the best at running the ball, and they completely shut down the run. They've held uh, Matt Breida and Alvin Kamara, and, and again, the only outliers I said was against Tampa Bay with the shootout, which is what the Cardinals and the Falcons had last week. So, what does the Rams offensive, uh, you know, offensive unit as a whole need to do to surpass the? Falcons defense and Dan Quinn and company? Well, I mean, as an offensive team for the Rams, I mean, you got to be looking at this, just licking your chops, okay? You're talking about a Falcons defense that has given up the most points to any, more than anyone in the league, rather, okay? So they're they're not playing well. Um, They're not creating havoc. They're not creating turnovers. Uh, You see, it seems like every time they play a quarterback, that, that guy has a big day. So, you know, you got to feel pretty good about your chances, but I think you got to hopefully go in there and get the offensive line right, okay? You got you got to yes. you got to get these guys off the ball. Um, you know, it'd be a great t- a great day for those guys to kind of have a coming out party and 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 settle in. Um, because I think we know what Goff can do. Last week, look, he scored one touchdown and that that's not going to be very vindictive of the whole team and what this this offense is capable of, but if you want to get ahead and, and kind of get going in this game, I, I agree that you got to run the football. Um, I think you got to run. I think you got to run to open up the pass. But um, we'll see what happens. I, the, the Falcons has got one guy on defense that you really got to be concerned with. Their defensive tackle is one of the best de- tackles in the league. Grady Jarrett um, actually was a was a late round pick out of Clemson. Man, he was a beast in college as well. But he's he's a dude in there on the inside. So I think that uh, if you can kind of handle him and control him then you got a great chance of, of getting off to that good start running football right so Grady Jarrett and then Deion Jones who's arguably one of the most athletic if not the most athletic uh inside linebacker so in the league but so and, and you talk about the inside and that's the problem that the Rams have is stopping defensive tackles up the middle and which which makes your whole offensive line unit not be as effective as they could be and you go from being again seventh last year to basically 32nd this year and so it's it's very uh this is a a game where the rams offensive line needs to make a statement and say you know what we're still here we still think we can win this year and that's why we went and got ramsey and got rid of peters put off some cap to be able to re-sign ramsey but we still think we can compete and and there's no thinking to that they can compete and this is a game that they need to jumpstart that let me ask you this man i mean we haven't really caught up a whole lot on this team i mean Give me your quick kind of outlook on the team, like like moving forward. Like, is it time to press the panic button? I mean, is this something where this is a must-win game? I, I view this as a must-win game. You got to come over here and get a win. I know it's tough going from the West Coast to the East Coast, 
But, you know, you lose this game, now you're, I, you, you know, you're going to put yourself in a really tough position. But what's your thoughts on that? Well, I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast here uh, before we got on and chatted, and, and we'll, we'll wrap it up right after this. But, you know, the thing is, is very, to me, this is, I don't think it's a panic hit the panic button right now. I don't necessarily think it is a must-win game, but I don't think that it's not a must-win game, meaning you're going to know a lot about where the Rams are after this game. This is a team that the Rams should beat, and I'm not saying they can't go and run because if you look at the Rams' schedule, it's it's not necessarily favorable for the Rams over the next seven games, uh, but including the bye, but it is a, a place where you can go on a run, and it should start this week against the Atlanta Falcons. I don't. All I'm right, not so going to say it's must win, but I think it is a it is a win that would be a very uplifting, you know, W for your team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, I guess I'm kind of on the other side of it a little bit more because I think that you go and lose this game, you know, you already got two teams that have showed to be strong in your own division, with the Niners and Seahawks, so. I think you got a chance to go get, get to Atlanta, get on the road, um, and get a win. And like you say, get that momentum back in that building and, and kind of see what happens. A lot of football left, so I don't think it's really yeah. time to, to, to get freaked out, panic here. But, but man, if you lose this game, I think that's, you know, we'll be there. I think it'll be really time to be concerned. Yep. So I'm excited to watch it. Yep. Well, guys, thanks for listening to Rampage Radio Podcast. Jay, thanks for getting back on with me, even though it was over the phone. Hopefully, we'll be able to get, you know, to to be back together, uh, mic on mic pretty soon with my computer in the shop and then find time. Guys, that's what it's been about. It's been about timing for me and my brother. Like, the show is much better with my brother. There's no question about it. And and I just want to say thank you for for taking the time right after work to getting back on here. Uh, And for that, I'm J-Rob. That's Jay. Deuces. Stay bad. Stay boozy. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.